wish I had a mouthful of skeet right now. You amaze me with what you put in your mouth. Broadcasting live from San Antonio, Texas. You're Mexican, you're, uh, you're evil, and you're a loser. A man who takes rants, profanity, and useless information to a whole new level. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's skeet. We are tonight's entertainment. Only have one question. Where is the skeet, 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 skeet? Now, welcome to Skeetopia. And here we go. Oh, yeah. Welcome to another edition of Skeetopia. I am the one and only Skeet Almighty. But you, my friends, can call me Josh. How the hell are you doing? Special guests today, Adrian and Ryan from a very cool band. Otherwise, round of applause. Got to talk to those boys uh, several weeks ago. Phenomenal band. It was honestly, you know, I had heard of the band Otherwise. I've heard their single. uh, But I didn't necessarily know the rest of the album. And I think if you're kind of a fan of a band or you want to become a fan of a band, I think the key thing to remember is... Especially if you're on the fence. Maybe go to a show. How about that? Hey, Go figure. Get off your fucking couch. Go out. See a rock show. Because that is what officially sold me on the guys. Number one, talking with them, hanging out. Uh, They did get me a tad intoxicated. Cold cock whiskey. Holy shiza. I forgot how great that whiskey is. Uh, Thanks, guys. Get me. Oddly enough, though, you know, for an American herbal whiskey, I really didn't have much of a hangover. No sugar in that. Now, I know for whiskey fans, it almost seems kind of outrageous, but let me tell you, uh, give old cold cock whiskey a try. It's not bad. Where's my fucking money check, cold cock? Anyways, if you want to check out a band that you're curious about, go see a live show, especially someone like Otherwise. They put on a phenomenal show. Reminded me a lot of Seven Dust as far as, like, the energy on stage. And honestly, these guys have a hell of a future. I got a couple of things I want to rant about today. Uh, Honestly, I got like two phenomenal rants. Uh, The pros and cons of casual sex. I was reading this article for Maxim Magazine. And uh, without giving away any names of people I talked to, uh, there's a couple of females I've been talking to recently. And, you know, the topic of casual sex came up. So I'm going to talk about that momentarily. I also did an interview recently. Uh, The kid's name is Chris. You might know the band Motionless in White. That's going to come up here in the next two weeks on Skeetopia. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, at Skeetopia, of course, the Facebook thing. Uh, I took down the website for a while because I'm doing some stuff to it, totally revamping it. So I would highly recommend you go to Stitcher, you go to iTunes, just look up the show Skeetopia. You can be on top of things. So after I got done interviewing Chris, uh, where San Antonio, Texas is, there's a club called 210 Capone's. Decent place, uh, but there was stacked with fucking traffic. And I knew if I was going to interview the kid that I was going to get stuck in traffic, and I just didn't want to do that. Now, the problem with the location is that it's on the hood. It's in the hood, man. It's the motherfucking east side. Now, it wasn't like it was late at night. And look, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fucking pussy. I can go through there just like the doors. That's a black guy. <laughs> Quick, lock the doors. <laughs> Stop that, people. Look, your white guilt worries you. You know it's a bad neighborhood. You know, I was talking to this fucking white dude. He was like, you know it's a bad neighborhood, man, when, you know, you're passing by it, and they got uh, pit bulls in the in the front yard. <laughs> I'll, I'll fucking almost laugh my fucking ass off. Because, you know, it all goes back, if you think about it, It honestly goes back to the stereotype. You know, the bad side of town. You know, honestly, he was right. As I drove through the hood because I didn't want to deal with traffic, all the sudden stereotypes of the east side, the brother side of town, uh, they were there. It was like uh, sitting through one of any black movie. It's there. You see it. It's like, holy shit, stereotypes are stereotypes for a fucking reason. There's the old... Pit bull on a chain in the front lawn. You got the brothers hanging out, drinking a couple of 40s. 
I'm not making it up. It was true. I got a couple of, uh, you know, I got the look like, who this motherfucker here? Because I'm, I'm a Mexican, but I'm real light-skinned. Half the people that ever see me, they automatically assume, you know, they're like, oh, maybe your mama was white. I'm like, yo, mama, motherfucker. Oh, I'm sorry. You weren't saying that offensive. Oh, okay. No, no. We're just very light-skinned people. You know, technically light, not, not like beaner Mexican, but we're, you know, uh, more on the Spanish side. Islanders, if you will. So I'm a little light-skinned, you know, got the light eyes, the, you know, the light green eyes. Ladies. <laughs> so there I was strolling through the east side, and I just started just counting the ways. I'm like, okay, here's the brothers, middle of the day, should be at work. <laughs> Drinking a couple of hoties, you got the pit bulls in the front lawn, you got the, uh, uh, the pits. You know, uh, when you're barbecuing... What's the problem with just putting the motherfucker in the backyard? I mean, honestly, I mean, unless you want to brag to your neighbors, hey, guess what? It's that time of the month. I got my motherfucking check. Well, make me some barbecue. Because that's just cold-blooded. Like, if someone was poor and they smell, like, you know, the savory goodness of meat and they hate you and don't want to invite you, you know the motherfuckers are there just drinking eating that meat all it was just the sauce dripping off their lips how you doing daddy bad too bad you're a jerk off i'd invite you over but i hate you <laughs> and then you know they got the shitty gas stations like all the gas sta- like i really started to pay attention to all this stuff where i was thinking hey man you know i mean the brothers gotta fill up their tanks too why doesn't their axon look like my axon Nah, man it doesn't brothers hanging out the side there shit spray painted all over the place fucking uh uh barred up windows and what's next to it a fucking liquor store and loans man they got like loan shops everywhere hey do you need a loan cash in this for a loan you know my side of town you see a nice verizon uh, there, it's like cricket. <laughs> you know, you no Apple stores on the east side. Instead, it's like El Apple. It's spelled with one P. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's I just noticed this shit. I was like, you know what? If I was a brother, I would hate stereotypes like that too. It's bullshit, man. Loans, like, like what? White people don't need to do loans too. But at the same time, you know, in my neighborhood, there isn't a whole lot of uh, pawn shops over there. I swear to Christ, I passed at least three. Three! I was like, I don't see any pawn shops in my neighborhood. How is this possible? There wasn't one single Starbucks, is what I'm saying. Plenty of liquor stores. <laughs> I, I, all that shit, I just wanted to pay attention and find out what the deal with stereotypes was. And guess what? Uh, they're stereotypes for a reason, people. It's true. A couple of nice, decent bars in my neighborhood. A couple of places to go see some local shows. They're cool. There, there was a place like the sign was half broken. You just looked at the place and you knew someone's going to get their ass kicked there. You just know. Like, not to say in other clubs near, like, Whiteyville that people don't get their ass kicked. Because, you know, fucking white people, they're the motherfuckers that wind up taking off their shirts when they want to fight. I, uh, white people, I don't understand why you do that. Shut up, man. That's my bitch. Start taking off your shirt. Brothers don't do that shit. They just fuck you up or say, all right, that's cool. I'm going to walk outside. And they got, like, a fucking gun and will murder you. Of course, rednecks do that shit, too. You know that. So the band is otherwise. No offense to those guys. I think they're fellow Latinos like me. Or maybe part black. I don't know. Like, I wanted to ask them because they were really cool. And, I, you know, we really got along. And they were feeding me booze. So I wanted to be able to say something there. A great group of guys. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the boys from Otherwise on Skeetopia. All right, what's up? This is Josh uh, broadcasting from the same bus. It almost seems like I'm stuck in the Matrix. I just interviewed another band in this exact place. Except uh, now there are two guys instead of one. Uh, you might know the band. Otherwise, peace at all costs. I got Adrian and I got Ryan. Is this correct? Yes, sir. What's up, Josh? How you doing, man? Very good, man. What's happening, bro? 
Welcome to San Antonio. This is the fourth time you guys have been a part of this show. We obviously must like you because we keep inviting you back. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you, brother. All right. Back in 2012 was definitely your breakthrough year. You spent most of it on the road promoting the album Truth, True Love Never Dies. I wanted to get things started with you reflecting on the last two years and how you're feeling currently about the band's status. Um, the last two years have definitely been a roller coaster. Rock, I mean, rock and roll itself is a roller coaster. You know, we we call it the the world's greatest mind bleep. Um, you can cut. Oh yeah, we can. We call it the, the world's most. It's the most righteous mind fuck in the world, man. Being in a rock and roll band, um, and the, the past two years have been uh, nothing short of triumphant and tragic at the same time, as as it seems to be par for the course for us. Um, you know, we're, we're here, we're grinding it out, man, and, and it just, all the obstacles that get placed in front of us, as we smash through them, it just makes it that much more righteous when we do win, you know, so. Yeah, to be, uh, you know, uh, past m- members leaving and uh, parts of the team um, going different routes, you know, to get over all those things and still have uh, packed houses around the country, you know, that makes all the, uh, the hardships worth it. You know, and, and that seems to be like a tone, an undertone with our band is like we are a perfect example of, of a group of people who have a common belief yet face a lot of adversity. And, uh, you know, through us like sacrificing uh, everything and, and putting our balls on the table, you know, we, we come and our dreams come true every night when people are singing our songs back to us. It's got to be a great feeling. I think almost a feeling of accomplishment if you put kind of your heart and soul into a song and to be able to have the crowd sing it back. How exciting is that for you as a band, just as artists in general? It's, it's extremely validating. You know, the, the, one of the, 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 the great perks of this, this profession is instant gratification, you know. So if you, if you put something out there, a piece of quality artwork, the people react to it, you know. Regardless of whether you're financially successful or, or a mainstream you know band or celebrity status what have you you know we, we, we play these little clubs around the country with sometimes no radio support in the cities that we're in and like you said you know these people they connect with our, our message and that is that is just ultimately righteous for us uh, you've talked about how peace at all costs raises the stakes across the board for otherwise can you elaborate a little on that yeah, well, I, you know, we were faced with the, you know, the uh, scary uh, sophomore album, you know, and there's always that that test of, you know, the sophomore slump, and you know, were we just a band that wrote the song Soldiers, and you know, that uh, it really, uh, really brought us together as as bandmates, uh, you know, writing writing the uh, the album and working with the producer that we worked with, and uh, you know, it just raised the stakes because. Now we know that, you know, we are here and we're in, you know, we're in the national scene and we're striving for the international scene now. And it's just as raised the stakes in a sense that, you know, this is our life and we have to make it happen. You know, this is our life by music and, you know, nothing's going to stop us because it, there was a lot of things that could have stopped us yet again with the making of Peace at All Costs. So, And, and you know, it's definitely, it shows our focus, this album has raised the stakes and the bar and the, the level of, of uh, creativity for us for and craftsmanship. You know, we really focused on this batch of songs, and you can you can hear the maturity from 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 the material on True Love Never Dies to now, Peace at All Costs. It's 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 a clear improvement, you know, and and and, uh, and evolution. So we're very proud of that. Uh, Lloyd and I were invited uh, to Shiprock uh, back in 2015. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to uh, to do it, but we're crossing our fingers. We're shooting for 2016. We want to be drunk with all the rock bands. It's kind of our goal. <laughs> Not much of a goal, but it is what it is. Uh, you did go, so tell us about the overall experience. What can we look forward to, especially uh, like uh, for the fans that could go too? Um, well, you know, we, we finally got to do Shiprock 2015, and it was one amazing way to start off the new year for us and you know at our uh the the two shows that we did play we played one in the spinnaker lounge at the top of the boat and then we actually got to play inside the atrium which is like the heart of the ship and i mean the the emotion levels were so 
high and the electricity was palpable. People on our team were, you know, crying, you know, I'm up on stage, you know, like getting choked up and smiling and all at the same time. I mean, you could see the passion. I, I guess, you know, we put all heart and souls in it into it and we get it back from the from the people who support us you know and being on that boat in such a concentrated environment it, it was it was electric and we, we you know we'd love to do that if the people have us back we do shipwrecked every year of our careers for the next you know 30 years there there's some guys who don't want to be on that boat you know but they do it for paychecks and it's like well dude get get off get the fuck off and make room for us we'll do it every year you know what i mean like let's just let us go eat at the buffet <laughs> that's a hell of a payday yeah yeah uh, uh, let me ask you um out of all the bands you were able to hang out with was there any one or two artists there with you guys that you really just kind of connected with oh uh yeah i think uh i think that interview we did uh with living color and um the guys in Crowbot. Yeah, we always uh, we always get along with our, our buds in, in Buck Cherry. You know, that's a band that took us out early on in our touring career, and so whenever we get to see them, it's always uh, it's always a real pleasure to hang out with them. And uh, there's some newcomers to the boat, like uh, you know Crowbot and Wilson, and uh, those guys were just uh, party animals and, and really fun. And Andrew WK was was awesome to hang around too. Oh, the, yeah, I bet that guy was a maniac. Yeah, my brother mentioned Living Color was so. We do this like the the first day of the the the, the cruise. Our our brilliant publicist, who is he is actually very brilliant, but he decides to put us on this this uh, this podcast at midnight, and after an entire day of drinking on a cruise ship, and we're sitting there, and and Corey Glover from in living from from Living Color is is there, and he's 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 like one of the the panelists, and it's just like I'm totally trashed on this panel with this living legend. And I'm just like, oh, this is this is this is really embarrassing. But the next day, we talked to the guys that that, that did the interview, and they were like, it was it was so entertaining, and you guys are so much fun. And that's what that whole experience. You guys have to come on the boat because it's so much fun, dude. I I'm dying to. I talked to uh, I had just talked to the guys from Seven Dust, and they were like, you know, Josh Lloyd, you guys got to get on this on this thing, man. We got to part because we knew half the band, so we really wanted to go hang out. And the problem with us is that if we would have recorded, we honestly would have been shit bombed the whole time. So who knows how our interviews would have turned out? Probably really entertaining, but <laughs> nonetheless, uh, still, that's would have been worth it. Would have been worth it, I think. Uh, Talking with the boys from Otherwise, so Tool, Stain, Stone Sour, and others have helped us uh, co-host the L.A. Lloyd Rock Countdown. One of my favorites uh, uh, was Slipknot. Corey was just a, a great guy. And they've given us great stories about working with producer David, let me see if I pronounce this right, Botrill? Botrill. Botrill, Botrill. who also produced a piece at all costs for you. Tell us how he helped you in the studio get to the level that you were reaching for. He, he really helped us, you know, find the identity of each song. Each, you know, on, on, our, on both our albums, we, we strive to, to have, um, you know, a variety of vibes. And he was very, very adept at breaking a song down and finding the core of it and, and what, it, what, what the basic message and, and feeling and emotion was and then rebuilding it back up, you know. And, and we actually got real pre-production time with him. And we, I mean, we sat down and went through every song, literally note by note. Yeah, he had blueprints for for every single song that we were even considering for the album before he had even got to town to record with us. So you can imagine that you know level of uh, attention to detail, you know, was showcased throughout the entire recording process. And it helped us as musicians to be around a guy who, you know, it's like there's a joke. I'm like, are you sure we should do that? He's like, well, I do have three Grammys. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, all right. All right, we'll, we'll definitely okay, consider it then. We'll consider it. And as a vocalist, you know, you, you just mentioned some bands that are legendary, you know. And so, you know, before coming into the studio with us, David worked with guys like Corey Taylor and Maynard and Aaron Lewis and, I mean, stellar vocalists, you know. And so for him to take an interest in our project and, and, and see something special in my voice, you know that was that was the compliment of the highest order just to begin with and i was nervous i was so nervous meeting this guy because i'm like dude you've worked with luminaries in when it comes to to singing and, and being frontman and and he came in and just totally put me at ease put all of us at ease and i mean i still text with the guy to this day you know like like he's one of our friends he became like part of our crew and 
and it was just a, it just felt it was a really good fit it was very natural and he helped me explore different if you listen to P- peace at all costs we're doing a lot more character stuff with my voice there's we're doing things that i don't think a lot of other guys are doing or even you know right now in our quote-unquote active rock genre um i i feel like david helped us find an identity and a unique voice to just kind of set set us apart from the pack well you're in pretty good company i mean with all those guys so now just think there might be another band that's like holy shit there's the guys from otherwise and tool and i think that's a pretty big compliment man for a guy like you know a guy of that nature to put you guys in there so whatever you're doing stay doing it yeah you're doing it right uh, while you had tons of songs to be considered for your debut album, uh, when you returned from the road after touring in support of True Love Never Dies, did you have a lot of ideas or were you drained and had to struggle a little to get into that mind frame to create some new songs? It was definitely both of, of those things. And, uh, you know, we got off the road, we toured True Love Never Dies for 19 months practically straight 19 months straight. And, uh, you know, we were a little nervous. We had ideas, but it's, it's tough having the creative flow when you're on a bus and you're moving yeah we still were able to record with Corky uh, our drummer and uh, you know we got off the road and we there was definitely this weight on our shoulders like man we got to come up with something guys but then as soon as we started the uh, sessions the writing sessions for Peace at All Costs the, the songs just started flowing like immediately and we found that we had a deeper sense of uh, anger and uh, a greater sense of hope and so it really came to uh, give us a lot of creativity with the songwriting process and it, it just flew right out and the songs came for peace at all costs yeah it was a, it was a, it was a very easy process writing the songs you know um, I personally am a, uh, a fan of, of co-writes I, I because you never know you sit down with another songwriter another artist you never know what they bring out of you or what you bring out of them and um, when we when we got together at the end of the the first touring cycle it like my brother said it was just very natural you know the songs this batch of songs was written for the most part all together you know your a band puts out their debut album and they've had their entire careers and lives up to that point to write those songs but our second album these songs are all like from the same pride you know the same little wolf pack and and uh, you can really hear that again that focus and and that maturity um, in, in peace at all costs. And, and, you know, it's just, again, like you said yourself, it's, it's raised the bar for us. And so that, that's what we strive for all the time. It's just there's always room for improvement. Yeah, the minute there isn't, um, I think it's time to reanalyze who you are. I think there, I mean, unless, you know, you're at a Metallica, yeah, even Metallica, I think you always have to do something to one-up yourself yeah. because you got to think the audience is always one-upping themselves. They always hear something. They always want more. So we live in a world of instant gratification where people are, you know, 10 seconds later, they're fucking bored and they want to move on. So my theory has always been, you know, if bands can keep up 10 steps ahead of their audience, bands like that last decades. Yeah, but it's tricky, though, man, because, you know, you have your fan base and you you, you don't want to alienate them by, by, by putting out something that's too far in the left field or, like... But at the same time, like you're saying, you have to stay ahead of the curve. You have to evolve as art, art artists. That's that's what art is. It's, it's personal, it's evolution and self growth. And so that's it's that's a real tricky like how do you walk that fence of of, of uh, innovating and but 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 still staying true to your core at the same time. You know, while you were building a loyal following in Vegas at the beginning for the band. There did come a point where it seemed you could not break out on a national level. So what were you thinking at this point in the summer of 2012? Uh, you know, we've got a good thing here in Vegas and be happy with the status quo. Or was it just, let's just go for it. Let's just go and hit the road. It was actually this, the summer of 2011. And, and we were literally, my brother and I and Corky, you know, Corky had been in the band for going to just about a year at that point, And... But he'd known about us for years, you know, in Vegas, and it was like, what else can we do? What can we possibly do? We were we were beating bands in, in band battles, and they would go on and get signed and sign record deals and go on tour, you know. And it was like, what what are we doing wrong? And 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 that's where Soldiers came from. That 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 song was our 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 call to arms to ourselves. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, we were we were really close to giving up, man, that summer of 2011. I mean, we were seriously considering. I was, I was that summer I worked a friggin' landscaping job, and, and I ended up having to go and mow one of my best friend's lawns because he was part of the landscaping. Uh, he was one of the one of the clients, and you know, and it was just like, what am I doing with my life, dude? We the song soldiers. Yeah, and uh, the rest, we we got our little slice of history from that, you know. I think that's great, though. You know, don't give up. You know, I think that stands testament to other bands that. I mean, I know a lot of bands that are in that same thing. I talk to them all the time that just want to quit. They just feel like they've been beaten down and this is great to hear other bands to say don't quit man if you believe in yourself and the band and everything stay doing it yeah but i mean there's also there's also like a a, a, a a little caveat to that is you know don't quit but you can't you, you can't suck either you know what i mean like you have to have you have to get past your own ego get over yourself and you have to realize when you're not if you're not putting out good material and you're not you're not you know really creating enough noise to get to the next level then start something new you know and that's where we were we were close to that it was like either you know my brother is, is a young, very much younger than us and he's, he's much more talented than me and you know he could have gone on and started another project you know I, I was looking at you know going back into the corporate world and you know it's just but you know we hadn't written the, the strongest material of our careers up until Soldiers came out you know and then that was when it, it brought attention to other songs like Lighthouse, which led to us doing The Promise within this moment. And then that, you know, our story, I can say, of how this band broke out is very, very unique, you know. And every band has their own story, you know, but ours ours is one, you know, for, for the books. Very cool. Uh, the latest song from Otherwise on the Rock Countdown is Coming for the Throne which is definitely probably one of my favorite tracks on uh, Peace at All, All Costs. Track five for people listening. Uh, what can you tell our listeners and fans about this song before we play it today? Well, we, uh, you know, we sat down, the, the three of us, um, with, uh, with a friend of ours in, in Vegas, a cat named Kane Churko, and we imagined, the concept was like, okay, well, what if we could go back in time? What if we had a time machine and we could go back to when we each started our freshman years in, in, in high school, you know, what would we say to that young 13, 14 year old kid? And that's, that was, that's the motivation behind the song. That's the message behind the song. And then as we started playing it live, it's also taken on, you know, I see the, I see these young kids, you know, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, 10, 11, you know, and younger sometimes even up front at the all ages shows and they're right up against the rail and, you know, they're just, they're bright eyed and they're watching everything we're doing. And it started dawning on us that this is also, you know, you're coming for the throne. You, you, you little guys, you little wise ones, let the world know that you're coming for the throne. Let the bullies on the playground know that you're not going to take any shit from anybody who, you know, you know, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's another rallying war cry for us about standing up for what you believe in. You know, there, we, we've realized as, as the years go on, you know, that there's a lot of love and, 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 and positivity, you know, that surrounds the pursuit of your, your dreams. And then there's a lot of darkness that's always trying to, you know, interfere with that or the, or the jealous of it or, or they're just like, there is evil out there. And, you know, this song is a testament, you know, that don't put up with that shit. And, you know, come for your throne, coming for the throne, you know. Can I, can I say one thing? Sure. It's, it's one of the... Another thing about that song in particular is it's it's it represents like believing in yourself and not letting other people tell you who you are or try to tell you who you are. Because when Ryan came up with that riff and we played it to a few people, they were like, "That doesn't sound like otherwise, man. What are you guys trying to be like? That that's not an otherwise song at all." And we're like, "No, no. This this is an otherwise song. This is from us. We are going to make this a great song." And it turned into now a single that's on the radio everywhere. And it's like, you know, dude, we know who we are. We know exactly what sound comes from our hearts. And, like, don't tell us who we are. We'll tell you. Yeah, and it's exactly. it, it represents that whole thing. And then thematically, lyrically, it just expanded upon that whole thing. Hey, Corky, where'd you come from? Man. <laughs> I was just walking by. I hear you guys talking about coming for the throne. Man, I don't talk about coming for the throne. <laughs> Look at that, Corky, everyone. <laughs> Making his debut on the show. <laughs> One of your main goals as a band is for people to feel hope. Do you feel like you're accomplishing this goal when you talk with your fans in person, at the shows, or through social media networks? And two, what are some of the examples of how your music has given your fans hope? Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, the biggest 
pay that we get while we, you know on the road or in this band you know it's not it's not about money for us because that is not <laughs> that doesn't happen in the in our scene right now uh, but really we get paid with uh, seeing hope in uh, people's eyes and, and them being inspired and uh, yeah I mean uh, there it, that that's our biggest message you know because it's it's hope that has got us to this point and we just want to continue to share that and, and, and make it even more so you know the energy yeah the Every day when we get off the stage and we go to merch, the merch booth, and we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, make gas money by, you know, hawking our T-shirts and our, our, our memorabilia. But, you know, we meet these people that line up just to tell us, look, you know, you, your, your music got me through my divorce or, you know, your music helped me through chemo, you know, and it's like, okay, that, like my brother said, there, there it is. That's the payoff, you know, and, and, and it makes it all worthwhile. It really does if we're if we're accomplishing that then that means we're doing our job as artists as as songwriters as musicians and performers we are accomplishing what we're put on this earth to do one of one of the biggest things that we've been through is you know that uh that life experience of death and so we we hope you know personally that there is something more to this life and after and a lot of fans hear that in our songs and, and, and say, you know, when my, my father passed away or, or my brother or, you know, my wife and there's tears in their eyes, it's like, okay, we're doing something right. Keep going. Keep doing what, keep doing what we're doing, you know, like, and that's like the best feeling really it is. Yeah. And, and just to touch on that, you know, with a song like even Soldiers, you know, from our first album, that message has been so embraced by the military community that where they, they pass it on now to the generations of newer soldiers and military service people that are coming up. And, you know, these guys come back from tour and they're like, dude, I would listen to your songs and drive through the streets of Afghanistan in a Humvee blasting your music. And, and, it, and that, that's what I listened to when I went out before I would go out on patrol was otherwise I'd put your guys' music on, you know. And that to us is like, dude, you know, Wow, man! What do you say to that? You know, all all we can do is leave our our heart and souls on the stage every night for 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 all of these people, military and civilian, that that believe in us and get our message and connect with us. You know, have you guys done anything overseas with the military as far as playing yet? Not yet. We're working on that. We ho- we're hopefully something big um, will be coming up for us where yeah. we can we can go this summer and do something for the troops over there. Yeah, very cool. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, artwork. I'm an old school guy. I collected CDs for forever simply because I always loved the artwork. I like being able to hold it, touch it, yeah. read all everything about it. Uh, tell me about the cover art for Peace at All Costs. Well, the, the, the title comes from uh, a tattoo that's on my throat, which is a saying that our grandmother used to say. It was basically her mantra when the Irish side of our family would get drunk and beat the shit out of each other, you know, and, and she would always say, peace at all costs. We need peace at all costs. Please, 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 you know, peace. You know, we must have peace. And to us, you know, we've taken that as, you know, this is, and I've said this before, I think, uh, but it, it's a veiled, it's almost like a veiled threat. It's like, you know, don't give us peace or we're going to take it, man, you know. And the artwork for this album is a, is a picture of my neck, and, and it's kind of a, an homage to the uh, Sublime album cover of Bradley's Back. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's just very real, man. You know, we actually went through this whole process of hiring artists and getting these really awesome, amazing pieces drawn up, but it just didn't really fit with, well, you know, what are, what are we trying to say with this album? What is the, the, the subject matter? Where are we at as human beings and as artists? And then, you know, we... I mean, in the beginning of this process, our mother was like, why don't you just take a picture of the tattoo on your neck because it's real? And we're like, yeah, okay, mom, you know? And then... Mom's no best. Yeah, and then towards the end of the, the recording process, it was finally like, somebody else on the team was like, you know, you know, this is the only time that you guys will have to put this out and make it as real as possible. Just just put a, put the, put, put a picture of Adrian's neck on the cover. And bam you know it, it's it's there and i mean when you see that album sitting on a shelf next to all the other albums it stands out because it's it, there's nothing look that looks like that right now it's 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 visceral it's gritty it's 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 rock and roll man you know and 
Don't just download a song. Download the whole album so you can see the artwork and kind of understand it. That's what I. That's the one thing it kind of bums me out. So many kids pick like the two singles they like, but there's so much more. There's so much more art and story that that goes into you know what you guys do. You know your blood, sweat, and tears. And I really kind of hope you know. I'm kind of losing faith in some humanity, but there's others that you know that I hope nothing but the best for. You know. Yeah, there's still oh. a bit of hope left. I hope so, man. Uh, loyalty. Let's talk about that. Adrian and Ryan, uh, uh, your parents have been together for about thir- over 30 years. Tell us about their loyalty and how that relates to your own personal relationship. Yeah. I think, you know, that uh, uh, it's almost been 40 years now they've been together. And, uh, you know, that is something that was kind of like, I guess, subconsciously and indirectly taught to us is you know within our small families you know sticking together through the hardest of times um whether it being good or, or you know or more the bad times too and us being first generation americans you know they've they've taught us many different ways of thinking not just you know what we see on television or, or you know what was that you know in our, our schools and we've definitely like we've definitely showcased that in in our band too and because we've gone through so many musicians but we had a common dream and you know music and playing it out and that was our dream and so we've stuck through all the hard times to make it happen Corky are you loyal over there okay just checking just seeing if you're away just, just, just checking I just had to check on old Corky over there by on the right hey man he just, I just play drums <laughs> he's, he's a Craigslist player He's he's filling out a drummer's wanted ad. (laughs) Someone texted me once. (laughs) Uh, Two more questions, guys. When you prepare to hit the road, what are some of those necessities that you take uh, with you that maybe helps you uh, keeps you occupied on the downtime when you're not doing uh, meet and greets or you know uh, going through tremendously awesome interviews from guys such as myself? Kettlebell and good reading. Are, are, are definitely a good couple couple good ways to stay occupied on the road, um, and then gold bond and baby wipes. It's a good way to stay clean on the road. Yeah. Very true. That's that's it. He knocked it out of the park on those <laughs> ones. Can't say anything else. Oh, about we got it. we got some boxing gloves too. Boxing you know, the, that, yeah, it, that really helps. Uh, some pads, boxing gloves. When you're frustrated and you're getting stir crazy, just going and uh, throwing around some hands and combinations keeps your mind sharp and your body fit. So we're we're into that shit. Very cool, man. Keep the balls clean and uh, take out some aggression. Yeah, yeah. like that. And a nice bottle of whiskey. Everybody. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> we usually let the artists pick two more tracks so we can play on the show. We call them uh, little extras. Uh, since I got two of you guys, you can either pick one each or two each. Just kind of depends what you guys want to do. Uh, off the album that you either really like about the album or you personally like performing live, and why? Set it up for the fans. Um, I would have to go, I guess, with, if I picked one um, for, for now, would have to be Meet Me in the Dark. Um, I like that song because it has a wide range of vibes within the song itself, uh, and it really captures our message of, you know, light through darkness and when we, you know, we, we, we co-wrote that song with, with Brandon Saller from Atreyu, which is one of me and my brother's favorite bands ever. Uh, and and you know we were we were we had Batman the Batman trilogy was on on the, on the DVD player while we were just sitting there jamming. It was on silent. And we're watching the Dark Knight Rises and we're trying to like imagine what Batman would sing as a lullaby to his kid. And and so we came up with Meet Me in the Dark and. And then, I, and then my son was born, you know, shortly after that, and he's he's going to be five months old now, and I want him to know that the monsters under his bed and in his closet and, and in his head, you know, need to be afraid of him, you know, and I want all the kids across the world to feel that way. And Meet Me in the Dark, I really think, encompasses everything that is otherwise. Uh, I, uh, you know, to elaborate on the light through darkness, because I think that's, like, our most important initiative as a band to get across and I, I know it's our, our single right now but really coming for the throne again I, I can't even we play it every every night and uh, it's exciting to, to, to see another song another positive message driven with aggression uh, to, to come across to our fans like that that's really a song that really 
touches close to my heart, like the guitar riff. It was really important, you know, less notes but more powerful riffs, and uh, and that was a kind of a tone for the guitars on on Peace at All Costs. And uh, yeah, I would say coming for the throne, and then uh, uh, you know uh, artistically, you know, it's a long song, but uh, Man on Fire is definitely one that you know kind of uh, dips into you know our own personal you know the thoughts that happen in our minds as artists and we wrote that with uh, two of my best friends from high school Nick Giordano and Dino De Maria and uh, that's just a really exciting song as well the band is otherwise the album is peace at all costs guys thank you very much for hanging out with me tonight and uh, I look forward to checking you out live finally for the first time all right man thank you you guys you you, you and Lloyd have always been so good to us man and, and it's good to be back on the show thank you for for believing in us and, and spreading our message Meet me in the dark, I'll take you down Close your eyes to see, I'll show you how Everything you've known is broken now Silencing the screams you heard so loud I believe the shadows breathe With bloodshot Shopping There you go. Big round of applause for Adrian Ryan. 
Uh, the Boys from Otherwise Peace at All Costs is the name of the new album. Great group of guys, man. Just uh, had a lot of fun with that interview. <laughs> I wish I would have gone into, uh, you know, had my random rant there so I could have been able to ask them about that stuff. Definitely, if they're in your town, go check those boys out, man. Really, really phenomenal live. Uh, hope you go check them out. All right, let's start off with my first rant, but more of a conversation. I, you know, there are so many people that you talk to that are more diehards when it comes to dating. Like, I know a lot of people. Here's a prime example of my brother. When it comes to dating, my brother and I are completely polar opposite when it comes to dating. I am a guy that is honestly has always been about the casual hookups. Not because it's something that, you know, that I I maybe have problems with uh, sticking with one woman. I've had a problem with monogamy. No, it's not the case because uh, the few women that I've actually been in serious relationships with, I've never had that big of a problem. Not that big of an issue uh, when it comes to that. But I am a guy that has definitely, over the years, has been all about the casual hookups. I know what I want. Boom. I go out. I get it. If somewhere or another the chick gets a little too wrapped up and suddenly I have to be the asshole and say, well, hey, sorry, you knew, then fine. I've never had a big problem being the asshole. Whereas my brother can count on his hand how many women he's been with. Casual hookups, just not something the kid has ever really done. And you know what? Good for him. Fine. He doesn't have to be like a scumbag brother. That's all right. <laughs> not everybody can be like me. I am one of a kind. When I was reading this article from Maxim Magazine, The Path of the Righteous One-Nighter. Uh, there's pros and cons uh, to the hookup culture of the one-night stand or just being able to cause a relationship. It's all about casual sex. What's wrong with casual sex? I always have a conversation with uh, certain women about it, and, you know, at the same time, I start thinking to myself, you know, why can't you have a friend or a chick that is a friend, and maybe they are at a point in their life that they're all down for just not getting into a relationship because they just got out of a long relationship and you know that they're down for the one night stand or because your friend just go ahead and put it to the side as far as casual relationships go but you could have casual sex with someone that is your friend or maybe someone you knew a while ago and they come back into your life and you always wanted to bang them look you know goddamn well there's stuff like that that happens all the time you i mean you want to hit it why is that bad? What's the problem with that? It doesn't make them whores. I mean, unless you're a jerk-off and that's kind of your thing, but I personally say, you know, what's the problem? What the problem is? I don't see the issue. So here we go. Maximus hooked you up. The pros and cons of uh, casual sex. Number one, the pros. Freedom, baby. Casual sex means zero commitments. There's no whining. There's no dining. It's bada bing, bada boom. You're in, you're out, you're done. Now, the problem, if you are a friend with this person and maybe she or he hasn't thought about you in a sexual way, that is why booze was invented, ladies and gentlemen. Get into the conversation of that and just let it happen. And you know what? If you're one of these jerk-offs, sorry, ladies, and even occasional guys, if you say, well, you know, I, I never really thought of you as maybe someone we could do that because we've always been friends. You know what? What's the fucking problem? Are you some fat, ugly troll bitch or dude that's just, you know, walking around like some jerk-off with pimples all over your face? Why not? Unless you're mentally not stable enough to be able to wham, bam, thank you. Hey, let's go grab a drink later and just, you know, not necessarily pretend it never happened because honestly, it did. And unless it completely sucks, you just chalk it up and you move the fuck on. What's the problem? It's about freedom. If you know they want something and you are pretty sure you could probably help them with it. Honestly, I'm so sick and tired of people saying, well, that's going to ruin the relationship. It's not going to ruin the relationship unless you are just a fucking immature piece of shit. Plain and simple. There you go. Move on. Who cares? Now, obviously, this one's kind of known. The con would be STDs, which there's two observations for myself that I can think of. I could understand the STD, which is uh, why you wear a fucking rubber, you know. Unfortunately, when it comes down to, uh, you know, the pullout, <laughs> it might not necessarily work for something when it comes to uh, STDs. 
But if it's a friend of yours or it's someone that you're in a friendly relationship with, honestly, I never understood why, you know, you kind of know where they've been. I mean, unless you know that they were whores before they got hooked up. And guys, that could mean you too. There's ways to go past that. That's why God invented the woman's back. Giggity. Sorry, I digress. All right. Another pro. It saves time. The whole I like you, you like me, me like sex mentally uh, conserves precious minutes in your busy day. Look, you're drunk, you're horny, it's 3 a.m., you want to fuck, boom. That's how the fuck buddy was invented. Honestly, that is what I've always loved about casual sex. Sometimes you get fucking horny. Pick up the phone and just be able to have that person that's like, ah, you know what? I could use a stiff one. That's what the ladies say, not the other way. <laughs> of course, another con would be the walk of shame. Now, walking home to a house of dudes celebrating, celebrating your overnight escapades makes you feel like the man in reality. Uh, the walk of shame can be disorienting and uncomfortable and is often accompanied by a serious hangover. If you find yourself in a morning after situation, it also means you slept over. A no-no when it comes to casual sex. Sleepovers will only lead to that emotional attachment. Look, I agree with this. As far as the walk of shame, unless you know maybe you're under the age of 25, I could see how that's something. But honestly, which is why I kind of say if you got a female friend or ladies, you got a guy friend, this could make things a little easier. So you're not being this individual that walks out and, you know, if, if the dude has another roommate, he's sitting out playing the Xbox and you're walking out and suddenly you feel like a slut. It's like, oh, okay, that might be a little uncomfortable. Once again, which is why I say mainly that would happen with anyone under the age of 25. Over the age of 25, honestly, you shouldn't be fucking living with anybody anyway. Male, female, that's just the way it is. Time to grow up, time to move the fuck on. That is just something that, to me, seems pretty goddamn serious. But you shouldn't be the person that's doing the sleepover. Even though they are friends and you're friendly, unless you're going to take a little nap, you're going to get a little Gatorade, and you want to hit it one more time, okay. But you know what? When you're done, you get up. Use the restroom, and you know what? That's a great excuse. Say, hey, look, I got to use the restroom. And then you move you move on. It's like, hey, look, I got to go. And you know what? Unless, you know, you're dating a dude, ladies, you're with a guy that's a pussy, and it's like, wait, 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 are you going to leave? Right there, it should be like, hey, buddy, uh, buddy, your pal of mine, look, uh, we were doing this. We thought we had an agreement. That's how it is. Another pro would be your lower your expectations. I mean, when you know you're never going to date the person or maybe even see him again, the pressure to perform relaxes, lower your expectations, allow you to really let go. Be yourself or someone else. Enjoy it, man. Go ahead. Get weird. Do shit. Ladies, you heard about anal. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, ah, but you know, I guess maybe I'll give it a try. Lower those exhibitions, ladies. Expectations. Try it. And you know what? That's the beauty of casual sex. You know, I, I also say with a friend of yours of the opposite sex, hey, you know what? You talk about sex enough, you probably get into detail about things you like, things you don't like. To me, I would think this is a great opportunity to kind of just play the field sexually, especially if it's a friend of yours, you know, because most likely, I can tell you, with some of the female friends I have, if we talk about sex, you wind up mentioning what you like and what you don't like, which is exactly why I say, why not try the casual sex with a friend? Because you already know what they don't like, so don't be the jerk-off that does exactly what they've been telling you forever. Ladies, that goes for you, too. Another con would be emotions. Ugh, the dreaded emotion. If you're casually sexing the same person on the regular, uh, you run the risk of someone eventually feeling feelings. One minute you're enjoying a mutually satisfying, purely sexual encounter. The next thing, uh, you know, it becomes something. Suddenly sex gets so sticky in all the wrong ways. <laughs> Giggity. Uh, avoid in the inevitable disaster by watching for certain signs. One, 
Uh, she divulges personal information outside of Dirty Talk, too. She wants to take secret selfies with you. Ugh. Yikes. Or three, she texts to ask how your day was doing. Uh, how are you? Uh, why are you texting me? Now, that's the con, but let me flip that. Flip the script a little for you on the emotional level if, once again, it is a friend of yours. Then maybe you've been ready to take it to another level and at the same time not get too emotionally attached. Let me tell you what you do. Look, there's no problem if she go ahead and uh, hits you up. That shouldn't be a big thing. Honestly, it shouldn't. I mean, calm down. And that's where it takes a bigger man or bigger woman to just simply be able to say, look, if the dude already, because we're friends, hits me up, why is it a problem? Why don't we just move on? It shouldn't be a big deal, right? Guys, it's the same for you. Don't sit around suddenly acting like some bitch saying, oh, God, I don't know if I should tell her or say, hey, look, I mean, just just stop. That's the problem right there. Y'all fucking think too much. And the minute you think, that's when you start fucking shit up. Just go and act like you always act before. Talking about the pros and cons of uh, the casual relationship, I'm throwing in there a little fact that maybe you got a female friend. Uh, guys or girls, maybe you got a male friend that you're questioning whether or not you should start a little casual sexual relationship with. I say go for it, man. Why not? Uh, number four, orgasms are good for you. Obviously a pro. Orgasms not only strengthen your immune system, but climaxing also releases chemicals that boost levels of estrogen and testosterone, which can improve the tone and texture of your skin and hair. I was going to get really nasty there, but uh, I'll just say, who doesn't like having a fucking orgasm? <laughs> that should be, I mean, shit, you're fucking jerking off and you're like, Gah! oh, Kate Upton, oh, I was so awesome. <laughs> I don't know about that one. That's kind of a pussy thing, guys. Come on, Maxim. Uh, therefore, is obviously the uh, the fatal attraction. Stage five clinger. <laughs> wedding crasher reference. Uh, the type of crazy is probably great in the sack, but not worth the wear and tear in the long run. Before you know it, I mean, you're getting eye messages blowing up. Find my friends. She's checking out your fucking Facebook. Suddenly, she sees you talking to another chick, and all of a sudden, it becomes a big goddamn thing. And you know what? It doesn't have to. That is the beauty of casual sex. That is the one pro to it. Look, you're getting sex, which is why I say this is how I'm wrapping this up for the casual encounter. Guys, if you have a chick that is a friend of yours and a part of you because we're guys, we always think. I wonder what she's like in bed. Or you found out that, uh, you know, you have these conversations about sex. And all of a sudden, it's like, gets the brain thinking. Ladies, look, don't get all turned off by that because we're dudes. It's written in our fucking DNA. Doesn't matter if you personally don't want to say, oh, you know what? I don't know if I want to go there. It seems weird. We've been friends for so long. Shut the fuck up. Guys are like, look, I, I mean, come on. What's the problem? You try it, you get over it. Ladies, if you're not emotionally ready for it, then you shouldn't because the guy's always going to look like an asshole. And only in those cases does the casual relationship not work with friends. That right there. Guys, you pull some stupid shit like that, well, you're just a fucking pussy and you don't deserve to have a dick. All right, one more rant to go, Skeetopia. Ladies, don't be offended when Skeet calls you a bitch, contour, or slut. Hey, where are the white women at? Oh, we're so going to get laid tonight. It's only because he has a small penis. Whatever. Oh, man, she likes you. She wants to suck on your penis. It's a good thing. Trust me, I know. Really? Now back to Skeetopia. I thought my jokes were bad. All right, welcome back to the show. What's up? I'm Skeet. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Skeetopia, Facebook, same thing. Uh, don't go to the website. I mean, obviously, I'd love for you to have gone to the website, nevergetlaid.com, but I'm currently uh, upgrading it. Uh, it's been a little stagnant for a while. I think it's about time to kind of revamp. So uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, continue to listen to the podcast at Stitcher and iTunes. Simply subscribe and search Skeetopia, S-K-W-E-T-O-P-I-A. Uh, before I wrap up the show, I was reading this article. Uh, famous preacher at Atlanta Mega Church Pastor Criflo Dollar. Honestly, that is by far. Where is my applause? That. Oh, no, that's not the one. Woo! 
That is a great goddamn name. Seriously. Hey, what's your name? I'm Creflo Dollar. I mean, that's like a pimp's name, man. Like, if you're a pimp, I was talking about uh, stereotypes. If you're on the east side, you're walking around with a feathered hat, you're walking around smacking up bitches, uh, then guess what? Yo, who's that? That's Creflo Dollar, dog. Oh, shit, man. That's Creflo Dollar, motherfucking Dollar, really? Oh, yeah. So apparently this brother's taking his game to a whole new level. He actually asked his congregation to chip in $300. Give contributions. $300 or more to turn his dream into a reality. And what is this dream? A $65 million private jet. That's right, the Gulfstream G650. Hallelujah! I mean, it's only like he figures since I've got a mega church. My name's Creflo motherfucking Dollar. Why not uh, have your audience ship out? Uh, hey, look, man. 300 bucks. I mean, you got like 200,000 people in your congregation. I mean, you do the math. Yeah, that seems pretty possible. Now, I want to read this part of why he said uh, that he wanted to do it. Of course, it's all for Jesus. Past the dollar. And the World Changers Church International can continue to blanket the world the globe, in fact, with the gospel of grace and allow us to retire the aircraft that served us so many years. Hallelujah. If that's not a fucking hustler, a motherfucking pimp, I don't know what is. Look, first off, uh, I, I don't have a problem with ministers at all. Some people, obviously, you know, this is going to fuel the fire for morons, uh, you know, like the Bill Mars of the world, people that consider themselves to be atheists. They can read stories like this, and of course, they're going to wind up uh, saying, you see, this is proof that all these people, they wanted money. Uh, first off, the guy's name is Creflo Dalla. Uh, yeah, this motherfucker's a pimp. And he should be ashamed of himself for even attempting to use the pulpit as a ground to say, this is why I'm doing it because I want to spread the good word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Shame on you. Like, when you die, hopefully, in your G650, and you're walking up to those pearly gates, I honestly hope God just kind of stops gets some of his fellow apostles and says oh this motherfucking dollar here oh oh I'm sorry you want to go in the church you want to go up in my church you want to enter the gates of heaven I can see dollar JC Jesus come on man I was doing it for you really you were doing it for me you know this is Jesus talking I my child I was able to preach the word of me on bare feet walking around and you here your Gulfstream G650 here hold on go ahead and sit in this chair right here Sheesh. straight to fucking hell say hi to Satan for me I mean what a what a fucking scumbag I mean honestly it's shit like that that, that goes a little above and beyond as far as like pissing me off because there are so many other great ministers out there that their goal is to spread the word of God to people like my mother that go to church all the time honestly it doesn't matter what kind of denomination you are people just you know they go to church so they can kind of revamp their souls I get that I'm fine with that nothing wrong with that and then, of course, you got some motherfucking pimp. Past the dollar. That's got to ruin it for so, so many other people. It is just, honestly, it is, it is embarrassing. Shameful. Shame on you. Big round of applause from my boys from Otherwise. Thank you very much for hanging out with me and chatting. And, of course, uh, cold cock whiskey that you were making me drink. You made me drink all those shots. Didn't even mix them. Just made me drink them. 
And, uh, you know, if uh, you go to my Twitter at Skeetopia and look back at some of my pictures, you could kind of almost see, like, hey, man, I'm hanging out with cool guys. And then as you go through the pictures, you're, like, suddenly seeing me damn near drool going, see, you guys are so, man, I love you guys, man. You guys, you guys are so awesome. <laughs> Oh my god. Casual sex, you learned about the pros and cons of the casual relationship. I took it one step further and said, uh, look, ladies, you got a guy friend. Give him a chance. Why not? What's the problem? Work out the deals. Don't turn into a typical chick and make it a big deal. Guys, don't be fucking pussies and suddenly you start playing the bitch role. Just go at it and do it, man. You know, everybody's getting laid when everybody else is getting laid. Uh, makes things pretty happy for you. And then, of course, about the old pimp, Pastor Kreplo Undala. Uh, he's a jerk off. It, uh, as I reread some of the article, looks like the fundraising campaign may have been caused off because, I mean, heaven, go, go, go figure. Uh, apparently, he's got a lot of backlash. What? Say it isn't so. You're kidding me. Whatever. That's insane. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook at Skeetopia. Don't go to the website just yet. I'm revamping it. But please subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Simply search Skeetopia. Retweet all my shit. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being uh, a part of today's Skeetopia. Big podcast coming soon. Just like that. That's going to do it for me. I'm Skeet. And I'm out.